0: You're listening to Mimir, the podcast for aspiring entrepreneurs with me, your host, Maddie Kelly. Each week, I dive deep in my interviews with successful founders to leave you with the tools necessary to build your dream lives. So get ready for some kick-ass advice. Hello friends and welcome back to Mamir. I have got a jam-packed episode for you today. I'm sitting down with Lucy Wall, who is a professional freaking organizer. It was truly a dream getting to chat with her about all things organization. This episode is perfect for my type A girlies out there like me. If it is on your New Year's bucket list to get organized, then this episode is perfect for you. Lucy's giving you guys a crash course in getting organized both personally and professionally, and Through our conversation, we kind of discover that getting your shit organized is more than just putting your stuff away in bins. Getting organized realigns how you think and interact with the world. We're talking how to navigate tough conversations, why you procrastinate, how to stop avoiding your issues, and doing what you think you're supposed to be doing versus doing what you actually want to be doing. So without further ado, let's dive in. Lucy, welcome to the podcast. I had to have you on the second that you sent me a message because you're a professional organizer and I feel like your job is every girly's dream job out there. <laughs> like I literally was having this conversation the other day with somebody. Um, because I am an office manager as my nine to five job. And I had to come in and do a lot of like organization work for us when we first got into our new office. And I was talking to one of my coworkers and he was like Yes, my wife's dream job is to be a closet organizer, but she's in finance. (laughs) So Uh I'm so excited Uh (laughs) to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me. So how did you get into this business?
1: Well, in a roundabout way, as you usually do when you're an entrepreneur, Um, I had a previous career. I was in nonprofit fundraising. Actually, I worked for a big university. Um, and I did that for a few years and I was kind of getting impatient, like it it wasn't going fast enough for me. It's like, what can I do to accelerate my career? I'll go get an MBA. So I did a two-year full-time MBA program, had an amazing time, learned a ton you know, when you come from nonprofit, you're kind of behind the eight ball in terms of being in an MBA program. And so it was a really big learning curve for me, but really fun. And um, that was around the time the seed was planted for this, because I knew I was behind the eight ball, but somehow I was keeping up. And I was like, why am I keeping up? Hmm, my apartment looks a lot different than my friend's apartments do. <laughs> and so I graduate and I go back to interviewing to go back into nonprofit. And this, the sector just did, didn't really understand what an MBA does for you. And it was basically, like, you can have the same job you had before. You'll just be responsible for raising more money. And I was like, Okay, I didn't do all this work to do the same thing. So, okay, well now what do I do? And I never thought about being an entrepreneur before but I had just finished this MBA program and all of the people sitting around me were starting companies left and right. And I was just like, I mean, if the guy sitting next to me doing the same work I'm doing can start a tech company, I surely can start a small business. Like this is possible. So then it was, what am I going to do? And talk to family and friends. And they were all sort of like, well, you know, you're really organized. Like that's a thing. And I was like, oh my God, I think that's it. I think that's my secret weapon. That's let me keep up all this time. And that's why I was able to just get through this. And this is something I can really share. And as I was doing some some digging on like, is this an industry? Is this really a thing I can do? Who's out there? What's the competition? Um, at the time, this is actually almost 10 years ago. At the time, most home organizers were focused on like suburban living. So you're organizing oh. for a stay at home mom who's got a bunch of kids and some space and like chaos. And that is great. And that service is very much needed. That is not my life. It's not a life I've ever lived. It's not a life my friends live. I live in a city. I've lived in a city my whole adult life. Um, I've lived in tiny apartments. My friends live in weird apartments. Um, I live in San Francisco now. Our housing stock is old, weird, and strange. Wait, you're in San Francisco? <laughs> yeah. We should have done this in person. I'm no. in San Francisco. <laughs> Oh man. Oh, well, <laughs> well, here, here we are. As you know, the apartments yes. are small and weird here. And so I thought, okay, this is going to be my thing. I'm going to work for the people like me and my friends who are young and up and coming and trying to make stuff happen. And in a small apartment, maybe with roommates, maybe with your, you the person you're eventually going to marry. Maybe you're starting your family and like life is crazy and you need some help getting that secret weapon on your side. So that is where it all started.
0: So how did you land? Who was your first client? Like what what was that interaction like?
1: So um, I decided that I was just going to start talking to everybody that I met about what I wanted to do. This is before I did anything. I did not have a website. I did not have an LLC. I had nothing. Uh, But I just started talking to everybody because at the time I was unemployed. And so when people ask you, what do you do? And you're unemployed, like, it's good to have something to talk about. (laughs) So I just would tell everyone, this is what I'm going to do. And I was on a trip with my family and another woman I had never met before on the same trip. After a couple of days, she was like, you know what? I really need this. I think you have something here. When we get home, call me and I'll be your first client.
0: And she was. I think this is such an important moment because like I had a period of time where I was unemployed and you're like feeling embarrassed about it and you don't know what to say when people are like, Oh, what do you do for a living? You almost like don't want to answer the question. And I know so many other people who have experienced this. And I think to your point, it's so important just to say like almost what you want to be doing instead. And like, Not feeling embarrassed about your current situation because things change all the time and you never know what's going to happen next. And like for me, you know, I have books published. I have a blog, whatever. Like I could have said any of those things and I was just like embarrassed about it and I should have been. And then once I started my blog, I was like, oh yeah, I'm a content creator. And then like things started to flow a lot easier. So it's almost like speaking it into existence really helps. And I think even more so, it helps you practice for the moments when it really matters. Like, because you were just talking to everybody that you met about it, it prepared you specifically, probably for your first client.
1: Yeah. And you know, what's really great about talking to everyone you meet about what you want to do is the questions they ask will give you a lot of information about how you're presenting your idea. Does it resonate with people? Do they want to buy what you're eventually going to sell? Are they confused? Mm. Does it not make sense? You know, it really helps you refine even before you ever launch anything to just talk about it. And then also, because I'm an organizer, it's the accountability. Like once you start talking to enough people about this is what I'm going to do, the next time they see you, they're going to ask you how it's going. So you have that like accountability built in about like, oh, I told the world I'm going to do this. I guess I have to do it.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. I am such, I need, I like, I know for a fact that I need added accountability. That's just who I am as a person. Like growing up, I needed my parents to be help me be accountable. In school, I needed my teachers and professors to help me be accountable. And then now as an adult, like, especially if you are an an entrepreneur you no longer have like a boss telling you what to do like that's all on you and you have to be on top of it and find ways to self motivate and it's like yes. similar i think to going to the gym if you really want to start going to the gym get a gym buddy find a friend or like at least just tell somebody that that's your plan because even if you're like you know, if you, if you have a long distance BFF, text her and be like, okay, on Tuesday night, I'm promising myself, I'm going to the gym. Call me at six thirty when I'm supposed to be at the gym. If you FaceTime me and I'm at home, like <laughs> tell me to get my ass out of the house. You know, like yeah. you, I think like we all need accountability, especially as entrepreneurs. And you just have to find what works for you and like stick to it or find ways to do that, whether that's like by telling everybody that, you know, like, Hey, I'm starting this business. Then you're right. The next time they see you, they're like, Oh, how's that business going? Yeah. Or like whatever it might be, but you got to find some way to stay accountable.
1: Yeah. And, And that is one of the biggest challenges for me as well about being an entrepreneur. Like I'm organized, but I also like, it's tough to stay motivated and, and yes. to, to work through all the things that you have to do to run a business. So yeah, it's, it, it was practice from the, from the jump in finding accountability.
0: I relate to that so much. Cause like, I like to consider myself a relatively organized girly and it's still hard with long-term goals, like starting a business to keep motivated because it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like a lot of momentum, especially at the beginning, there's not a lot of movement. And so, so much of your time is spent being like, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing enough? Is this working? Should I just quit? Like, I don't think that this is working. Nobody wants it. Like all of these things are piling up and you just have to keep moving through it and that doesn't happen unless you find a way to self-motivate or like unless you really are passionate about the idea I just feel like it's never going to take off
1: yeah yeah definitely
0: <laughs> so what were the ways like tell me how you stayed organized through this process like of building your business were you oh, writing gosh. everything down on paper
1: did you have like, um, a platform that you used I started. So I started with a website. That was the jumping off point for everything. And in order to do that, I had to pay for it, which I meant I, ne- I needed a bank account and I needed um, an accounting program because I didn't, I, I I knew enough about business coming out of NAB program that I did not want to be like doing the spreadsheet game and trying to like totally. just hack everything myself. I was like, there's enough software out there on subscription, even 10 years ago now that I can just put this all together and get it going. So I started with the website. um, And it was a lot of just like, I'm just going to do this and put the thing up. And maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. And I think something that I always tell people is like, it's a long game, like you mentioned, and you won't know if the thing you're doing works or doesn't work for a while. Like there's a, there's a time (laughs) lag. So you just kind of have to pick what you're going to do and do it. And then maybe in six months you revisit and go, is this the right thing? Do I need to switch? Mm. Like, for example, I started out and I had a Squarespace website. I still have a Squarespace website, but I had my domain through GoDaddy and that quickly over a couple of years, I realized that is too complicated and too expensive. So I switched my domain to Squarespace, but like it took a couple of years and that was not like the top of mind. And if I had spent all the time at the of beginning, course. try to figure out the perfect thing, it, I wouldn't have even known, you know, it's just like, you kind of have to just be like, all right, this is what I'm doing. We're gonna go for it. And I will reevaluate in six months to a year. Um, so yeah, but I am, I am a process person. I think anyone who's pretty organized, sort of feels that way. Like I have to have a roadmap. So I definitely had like lists of things that I would do. And like, first I do this and then I do that. And yeah, but I mean, it's a lot of, a lot of throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. And I think the thing that I really learned early on, uh, because sometimes being an organized girly goes along with being a perfectionist girly, <laughs> not be a perfectionist, because if you spend all your time trying to make it perfect, you're not actually doing any of the things that get your business going. And so totally. to be okay with just like, I'm going to throw up this website and I don't know if it's talking to the people it should talk to and probably it won't get any hits, but at least it's there. And then when you start your social media accounts, like I'm just going to start posting random stuff and I don't know what to say and I don't want hashtags to use, but like at least it's something and you just start from somewhere. And I think as entrepreneurs, sometimes, and sometimes um, women do this a lot where it's like, if I'm going to do it, it has to be perfect. And it's like, the stakes are low. Like the number of hits on my website still to this day is very low. You know, <laughs> like yeah. the number of people who are looking at my content is low, and the people who are already there are there because they like what I'm doing, and they're going to give me grace if I have a typo. Totally. So, so yeah, it's removing that perfectionism and just being like, we're just going to try this, throw it out how there, see you, what happens.
0: So, since you were saying like even still today, like your website hits are low. So how, where do you find that you, like you get most of your business from?
1: So it's about 60% referrals, 40% um, Google and other, other sources. Um, And I'm I'm starting to get people from like social media, my newsletter, that kind of stuff as well. But it's it's really still a word of mouth kind of business because I'm coming into your home. Totally. Like you got to have that trust and, and, and willingness to let me come in. And that is, that's why it's such a personal referral, referral business. I mean, I've had great clients that find me on Google yeah Talks to them but
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good point i didn't consider like you are letting somebody into your home to like touch all of your stuff yes. and like move it around and that definitely i feel like would lend itself to more of a personal connection situation i'm sure like as you grow on instagram it'll be easier you know as like people see your work and stuff and you have more of like a a reputation online but i so what's your process like when you go into somebody's house?
1: Yeah. So we always start with a consultation so that I can come in and have the conversation. And I do that because I want to have a really good idea of what we are doing here. Like, what is the goal? Mm. And th- this is part of a sales process, right? This sa- I have a very, you know... Con- concrete sales process at this point moving from like the first contact in through the consultation then on the appointment and I've refined it over the years I've done things differently the way that I do it now works pretty well um but it's not just sales process it's really like fact finding like is this a person who I can help uh, oh, yeah. is their goal realistic can am I the one who can help them get there um and it's it's at this point it's as much them selling themselves to me as it is me selling myself to them. Because mm. I have done consultations where I've told the client, this is not a good fit for me. And I'm, I will refer you to somebody else because it's for whatever reason, it's not going to work out. So it's always a consultation. Getting the goals is really clear. And because when it gets tough later in the process, I can come back to the goals and say, we talked about this. Mm. Is this still the goal? If it is, then here's what your decision is doing. It's moving you farther away from that goal. So we either need to make a different decision or we need to make a different decision down the line or we need to change the goal. So it really lets me frame the work that way so that each decision feels like a little more structured. Um, But yeah, we do the consultation and then I come back, we do a solid like four hour working session. And I just start by sorting the stuff in the space. And then I ask the client to move through it all and make a keep or toss decision. Um, Mm. And we are very thorough, very, 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 very thorough. So thorough that sometimes people get a little frustrated. I was gonna say
0: it yeah. sounds like a lot of this process is somewhat like people management as well. Yes, because like <laughs> people tend to get attached to their stuff, and like everyone has a different way of doing things, and like even though they hired you, like I'm sure things can get kind of tricky. What are your What are your tips and tricks with like how do you deal with those situations?
1: Yeah. I mean, the nice thing is I have I have more data than the average person about mm-hmm. making keep or toss decisions. And and honestly, the decluttering process is at least 60 percent of the job, at least, because there is no possible way I can create an organizing system for you if we don't know what's there. And we're not sure that everything that's there actually should be there. Um, and everyone, including me, has too much stuff. All We all yes. do. Unless you're like a minimalist with all of your belongings in a backpack or something, but those are a few. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so in terms of, of talking to people, I can draw on all of those experiences before, like, mm. okay, I know somebody else who was facing a similar decision to you, and this is what they did, and here's what happened. And it sort of, it, it normalizes it for people. It takes the stakes down. Um, mm. It make, It helps people understand things in a little bit of different light. I do a lot of reframing. So, um, for people like, for example, I do this with people sometimes who are very creative and have a lot of art supplies and they don't want to give anything up because to a creative person, giving up some supplies means giving up a potential project. And that's really hard. And so a couple ways I can reframe that. I can reframe that as how much time do you have for this kind of project? What other projects are in the queue? Okay. So which project in the queue are you going to replace with this idea? Yeah. And that's. That's something that a lot of times creative people don't think about, but it's real. We only have a limited amount of time. And, it, you, and once you think of the constraint as being an opportunity rather than pressure, then you can make good decisions like, oh my God, okay, I have this much time. How am I going to fill it with the most exciting projects that I can imagine? Instead of, sort of letting yourself believe that the amount of time that you have is infinite and therefore the amount of projects you have to accumulate is infinite. Yes.
0: Um, how did you get good at talking to people? Because I feel like your ability to be in a situation and like think almost strategically about how to get the client to the outcome that you and they want takes a lot of practice. And like, I'm sometimes the kind of person where, when I'm cornered in a conversation or like I can sense things start to go awry, I like panic. And I, and then I'm like not thinking strategically and I've been trying to practice like to calm down in the moment and then like really think and process. So like, is this something that you've been practicing for a long time or like how did you get good at this?
1: I mean, it's, it's just practice. And I will say that my, I'm still working on it, especially actually in an interview context, because I get so excited. I want to talk, but I have to listen. Like I have to step back, I have to listen, and I have to reflect back that I have listened, right? I have to mm. reframe to the client. I heard you say this, this makes sense to me. Okay, let's think about this This other piece of it that you may not have considered and how does that fit in? As opposed to trying to like get to the point, cause I'm a very get to the point kind of girl in my, in my life and in any other context I operate that are more like business where like, we're just trying to bottom line it and move on. In organizing, you cannot bottom line it and move on unless that's their vibe. Um, so Mm. it's really, it's really about listening and reflecting back and then going, okay, based on what I heard you say, here's what we should consider. Um, but it's, it's absolutely still a work in progress. I mean, sometimes, sometimes I start to find myself getting frustrated and then I go, wait a minute, this is even about me this is about the client. Like I need, it doesn't matter what I think, really, like they're, they're here yeah. for my expertise, but they're not here for my opinion.
0: <laughs> I think that's such a good trait. And I think like you hit on a really good point that I think all entrepreneurs should pay attention to is to in order to be a good talker, you have to be a good listener. And like as an entrepreneur, if you have an idea that you're trying to take to market, you're listening, you're trying you have to first talk to the market, but you have to listen to what they're saying in order to keep moving forward. And similar with like investors, you have to talk to them and you have to get them into your idea. But at the same time like you have to listen to what they want to invest in, not all, not a, not every investor is the same, and not every single one of them is coming to a meeting ready to invest in your product. And so, while you do have to talk to them, it's also interesting for you to listen and make sure that they're a good fit. And it's like, truly, I think the best way to be like a great entrepreneur is to be a, the best listener in the room. That's the person that'll pick up on. Individ like on unicorn ideas or like they'll hear a problem point and be like oh i can solve that you know and i think yeah almost like the best listeners are the best problem solvers because they can really identify problems and then like you can come up with a solution much easier
1: yeah yeah absolutely it it, it truly is all about listening and 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 depersonalizing i mean that it, mm. a lot of people who say they want to really get into into home organizing They, they love doing it themselves and they want to project what they want onto the clients. And that does Mm. not work. Like I can't do in a client's home, what I would do in my home. It will not work for them. They won't like it. It won't be what they want. Um, and so I have really learned that like, it doesn't matter what I want at the end of the day, if the client is happy, that is what matters. That's what we're getting to. And so there's a lot of times when like someone will want to keep something and I'll be like, you really should have tossed that you're never going to need it again, (laughs) but I'm not going to fight it, fight them on it because I laid (laughs) out for them the situation, you know, this is bringing you a little farther away from your goal. And they're like, okay, I'll make it up over there. And I'm like, great. Like, is it exactly what I would do? No. Does it matter? Also, no, and it, that is, it's kind of a life skill that I didn't have before that I really appreciate just being able to take your ego out of it and not yes. take everything so personally and just be like, well, that's the decision that you made and now I will continue on with my job. And it, it just makes handling any kind of feedback or criticism or even, you know, disagreement with what you do to be a lot easier because I'm like, well, okay, that's fine. Doesn't yes. change what I'm gonna do. Yes. Oh my god, I
0: employ this in my personal life on a regular basis. Like without that particular skill set, I would be a much less effective human being. I would be yeah. like on edge all the time. You would not want to hang out with me because I'm always like it's like walking on eggshells. You never know when someone like that is gonna pop. And I used to be that way. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until I I started being the same way where I was like, well, okay, well here's here's how this is going to go. Here's how well, the decision that I'm going to make, I'm going to respect whatever choice you make in this scenario, but like, I'm still going to do what's best for me. And you're like, it's fine. If you want to do something else, that's totally your thing. Like it doesn't affect me at all. And it's amazing to see that like applied in business. Cause I haven't, I haven't been confronted with that yet, but I am sure that I will. And I look forward to that becoming like a part of my routine with work. How did you, how, what, what advice would you give to people who are like experiencing this for the first time or listening? And they're like, ah, oh, I really got to set like better
1: boundaries around that. How do you, what advice would you give them? I think it's keeping the goal in mind. So for mm-hmm. me, I, I know what the client's goal is. And so then it's not about is each decision correct according to me? But am I delivering the product that I promised, which mm. is achieving the goal? And that, and then that also takes like my wants out of it because it's just like, it's what they want. And I have expertise that I can bring. So I can say to somebody, you know, if you keep these things, we're not going to have space for this other thing. Mm. And it's not, and that's not a question of, I think you should keep, not keep these, right? (laughs) Those are two different things. It just takes my ego right out of it. And honestly, if you can do this in a business context, it will be a superpower because a lot of people are bad at this. Uh, Look around the next boardroom you're in. Men are bad at this. They take everything very personally and they get away with people not thinking that they do because that is considered to be a female thing. So yeah. if you are a woman and you can just, like, stay cool, not take it personally, not to say, like, put up with people being terrible to you, but just, like, oh. if if you can make it all about the project and the goal and not about what you want individually, it will be a superpower.
0: Yeah, like, disclaimer, you're right. This is not a scenario in which somebody is, like, being outwardly rude or, like, not being a good exactly. worker. It's more about... exactly in a room full of other egos how do you most effectively navigate around everybody's opinions to get to the end goal like as an office manager i experienced this on a regular basis where like i get so many opinions and it took me like First two days to realize that a lot of my job is just filtering opinions and being like, (laughs) okay, like, which ones do we think will actually get us to our end goal of this, this, and this? And then, like, you're just fielding that all day long. And yeah, like uh, still people come up to me like, oh, like, why don't we have this? And I'm just sort of like, well, you know, like our budget only allows for this. And because I know as a team, we love all of these things. I think that we should better allocate our funds in this direction. So then that way we're all enjoying these aspects of coming into the office every day, as opposed to me being like, Oh, I don't have a choice, you know, or something like that. Or,
1: oh, this person hates me because I'm not giving them what they want. Yeah. like, oh, I'm bad at my job because I didn't make sure that everybody gets what they want. Yeah. Yes, exactly.
0: So what do you have, like, what are your key first things that you do to get organized in somebody's house aside from like the, the decluttering situation? Like what do we, are we getting bins? Like what is. We are, but not till
1: the very end.
0: So. I
1: I complete the decluttering in a space first, like we go through everything. And and as that process moves along, I get a I get a read of what the system is going to be, because the way Mm. that the client talks about the stuff, the way they make the decisions. And I ask I ask a ton of questions. It's not just like keep or toss. It's like, okay, you're keeping this. Um, where do you usually use this and what else do you use it with? And how often are you using it? What time of year? Like all yes. of this kind of information. And in my head, I'm going, okay, I'm, I see, I see the infrastructure coming together. And as we move through, I will start to put things in places with other things that start uh-huh. to become the skeleton of the organizing system. So by the time we finish decluttering, it's almost there except for the containers and the labels. Yes.
0: Like you have a mental roadmap of where things yeah. are going to go. And then all that's left is to build like the physical infrastructure around it. Exactly. This is the most satisfying conversation I have <laughs> ever had in my entire life. And I'm
1: holy oh <laughs> living
0: <laughs> for this. Amazing. <laughs> so, so for example, like, okay, let me give you an example. Under my sink in my bathroom right now is a hot mess. I have, as a girl, I'm sure you know, I have, like, a million hair products. I have all my makeup and all my skincare all under the sink. And right now I have, like, two drawers right on top of each other. And then I have two, like, carousel-style
1: tupperwares, containers. A little uh, Lazy Susan with with compartments. Yes.
0: Yes. And – it's fine, but I feel like it's not necessarily working for me. What would you suggest that I do to maybe fix it?
1: Yeah. So if I were working on that kind of project, I, by the way, I love organizing bathrooms. I know that's weird, but like skincare, <laughs> makeup, hair care, like I'm into it. And the, the other organizer on my team, she is absolutely a makeup junkie. So both of us are like, ooh, bathrooms, yay. Yeah, <laughs> Whereas yeah. like other organizers are like, Ew, gross. Bathrooms. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so what I would do is we'd be pulling everything out from under your sink. We'd be sorting it by category. The first thing I do is check for expiration dates. It is surprising how quickly makeup and skincare expire. And they won't necessarily... Well, that's not true. For medication, it won't necessarily hurt you. It just may not work as well, which like when you're going for the Advil because you really need it, you want it to work. So. Um, but with skincare, if it goes off, it can actually give you a reaction. Same with makeup. So it is very important to discard expired makeup. Um, you're literally going to go home and check everything. Yeah. And it's hard with makeup and skincare. They, they try to make it difficult to figure out what the expiration is. But the the thing with makeup too, is like, if it's liquid, if there's any separation. Okay. If it smells funny. By. if the if powder like if it's got that like hard pan you can use some tape and take the hard pan off but if it's like texture has changed goodbye mm-hmm. um mascara is every three to six months i do every six because i don't wear makeup every day yeah but if you're a daily mascara wear every three months you got to switch that out because eyes are gross yeah, oh yeah my God. I know. And, and, okay. and this, this makes you start thinking maybe I should do the drugstore mascara because that's often. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so we would take everything out. We would sort it into categories. We would check for expiration dates. And then you and I would be having a conversation about what you're using on the daily mm-hmm. because what you're using on the daily needs to be the most accessible. and, yes. and, People have different perspectives when it comes to makeup and skincare. Some people are like shoppers and like every day it's like, oh, I like that bottle and I like that color. And then some people are like, this is my routine. I that's just nice. do the routine. That's it. And so then I can sort of go, okay, like here's how much you have for daily. Mm. Here's how much you have for like, not, not all the time, like the masks and like the weird color of yeah. lipstick you only wear twice a year or whatever. Literally. And then you have the backstock. And a lot of people's trouble with bathrooms is because the current use product gets mixed in with the backstock and yes. then it just goes crazy. Um, so I like to really have separate areas for storing backstock. I like this for makeup and skincare. I like this for paper products. I like this for food, like separating your current stock from your backstock. Yes. Can really make a difference. And putting the backstock in somewhere that's like not terribly accessible is fine. Cause then you know, before I pull up Amazon or Sephora or whatever, I'm gonna go check my backstock and make sure I don't have more.
0: I think that's such an a useful tip because like anytime I go grocery shopping, I look in my pantry and my pantry looks full, but it's full of stuff that I like never eat on a regular basis. It's full of like just in case soup I which I don't even know why I have that because it's not like (laughs) the apocalypse is coming and I'm not going to have anything we already did that that's over I know I'm like why do I have why do I have emergency soup I don't need it (laughs) yeah if I were to put it in a back stock it would be so much easier to see exactly what I do need and what I don't need and exactly like what I'm consuming on a regular basis and then that would allow me to make decisions be like oh well you know i'm really never eating x y or z i could probably donate that instead and get it and get it out of the house
1: yeah yeah it's it's uh, it's funny like bathrooms and and pantries are very similar in terms of strategy it's sort get rid of expired stuff separate current use and backstock like very very similar but yeah i mean for for the for the skincare and makeup junkies it's it can be it can be eye-opening how much backstock you have once you once you get it organized for sure
0: if this episode has got you in the mood to get your shit together then i have the perfect tool for you you've probably heard me mention that i recently switched my physical planner to a digital planner and i am obsessed using notion software to keep all of my things in one place has been a total game changer from my daily habit tracking to my nine to five projects to every single piece of content that goes up from a mirror it's all in notion If you're like me and you have random ideas when you're at the gym or on a walk, you'll also love Notion. It's just so easy to open the app and write them down in my Notion before I forget them. I love the flexibility that Notion provides. Also, I can completely customize everything so it's all cute and on brand. And generally, I just love how easy it is to use. So if you're ready to upgrade your life, head to the link in the show notes to get Notion today. So how do you stay organized, like on a daily basis? Do you have a planner or something that helps you keep track of your daily tasks?
1: I do not have a planner. I use a combination of Google Calendar and Evernote to organize my daily life. Um, I do. I write down some things, but I tend to only handwrite things that are for my personal life. And I keep personal and professional pretty separate. I work on them mm-hmm. back and forth during the day because I get to work from home. That's the fun thing about being an entrepreneur. But to keep it straight in my head, I have I have them separate. So I have separate email accounts, separate calendars, separate Evernote accounts even. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I'll like handwrite a list just for like, today I feel like I'm going to do this. But for me, being able to add to it on the fly is key because I'll be yeah. at... A client's home and my organizer and I have a whole system of how we take notes on projects um, and how we sort of assign each other tasks, assign the client tasks. And so being able to do it on the fly is key. If I had to write it down and then come home and put it into an email or something, that's where things get lost. Um, And actually, that's why I started using Evernote for my my business was uh, when I first hired my organizer, we were doing everything on email and there were some things that almost fell through the cracks. I was like, oh, this is not okay. Like, I really need to get a handle on this.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And for for those who don't know, Evernote is a project management software. It's collaborative. It's similar to like Notion, um, I think, as well as...
1: It's more basic. Um, I would say it's it's good for a small business and a small team because it has everything you need and nothing you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't do a lot of the automatic stuff that like an Asana or a Trello does. And it doesn't okay. store things in sort of like a more like interactive way like a base camp does. Um, But I looked at all of those and for my needs, which are truly quite custom and also small scale, just like so small scale, like Evernote made the most sense for me. Yeah.
0: I, the reason I ask is because I've always been like a planner person in some way, shape or form. And I just recently switched to Notion and I'm using this template to keep track of like projects and then everything automatically updates in a calendar view as well and like it will populate in every single day if I go into like my day like what my schedule looks like what like projects I have what outstanding tasks I have and that I can just click and drag to what I want to do that day which works so stunningly yeah and it's been such a weird thing because I've always been like a very physical person and I've always had like a physical planner but now switching to digital has been so nice because I'm not carrying like 400 different things in my backpack anymore like I don't have my physical planner my like notebook and and then also like having to transfer all of those things also to my like Apple calendar or my Google calendar for work like literally everything is in one place and anytime I have to make like a quick note when I'm like on the treadmill and I'm like, "Oh, I just had an idea." I just whip out my phone and I can add it directly into the project that it is related to, and it's so it's so satisfying. Yes. It's just <laughs> truly wonderful.
1: I I know the feeling. Um I the task management in Evernote has been a game changer for me. Like, assign yeah. it to the right person, give it a due date, and suddenly oh. way more is getting done than I ever thought possible because yes. I think the thing that sometimes you don't realize as an entrepreneur at first is that things take time. And if you don't set aside the time for them, they don't get done. And if you have just a long to-do list with nothing attached to it, it's really hard to actually get those things done. Whereas if it's like, okay, this is the time of the day on this day of the week where this thing is getting done, suddenly it's going to get done.
0: Yeah. And I think also too, I'm slowly realizing as an entrepreneur, like I now have the space and platform to put everything that's in my head out of my head. And I start to realize how much actually goes into making like just my podcast work. Like each episode has so much that goes into it. And like I never realized exactly how much I was putting into each episode until the other day when I literally had it all written out in front of me in task form. And I was like, oh my God, like it's way more than you think it's going to be but having it all out there makes it so much easier to take care of. And like, to your point, work gets done. Like today I was just whipping through my to-do list and it was fantastic and it felt so good. And I am truly hoping that this episode inspires at least one individual (laughs) to get their shit together and like use that planner and like get organized and like, I'm literally going to go home and, like, go through my cabinets and really start to, like, think through how everything is done. And, like, I love talking about this kind of stuff because I am just like this. My mom is such, like, a type A psycho everything is labeled in our house like literally even our light switches are labeled so we know what light turns on where sometimes you need that (laughs) oh god it's wonderful i'm i truly attribute my success in my current role because of my mom and like how she does things and how she taught me to do them and like when i moved into my apartment in san francisco here it is a smaller space i came from china i was working abroad and like what we can afford in china with the rent that we pay here, I had a three-bedroom apartment yeah. in China. <laughs> and then moving into one bedroom, like, not that I had a ton of stuff, but it did – you do have to think about, like, storage optimization, particularly in the city. We don't – most apartments don't have closet space, like, at all. And you have to yeah, get super no. creative. And, like, that was one thing that she came in and she was like, all right, here's where this is going and and that's how this is going. And, like, so – I just I'm also curious to know, like, have you always been this way? Like, did you have was your mom this way, or like, have it you always just been a super dad. type? Of, it dad.
1: It was my dad. Amazing. Yeah, he is really organized. He was always the one that was like making us, you know, make our beds and fold up our towel after our showers and like put away our toys. Like in my house growing up, once you're done playing with a toy, it gets put away. Like even yes. like a Lego build. He's like, well, we can yes. admire it for a couple of hours, and then you break it down and you put it away. Oh my yeah. god. It's pretty hardcore, but you, you, you grow up and you're like, well, this is normal. Everybody lives this way. Right. And then you start to grow up and meet people and you're like, oh, that is in fact not normal. (laughs) But I, but I think the thing that, that you touched on that I do want to come back to really quickly is like how much you're holding in your head. Yes. People are trying to hold in their head, everything that they need to do. And I don't know why people think that that is something that they should even try to do. Like I. There's, there's too many things. and I mean, and I have clients who are young moms and like trying to keep oh. track of kids stuff and house stuff and still working a full-time job. Like, wow. oh my God, like it's, it's too much. And they, and they somehow feel like they've failed if they can't just keep track of it easy breezy on the fly. And I'm like, no, that is not how the human brains work. Brain works. We have too much stuff in our, in our modern lives to ever think that we can keep track of them as su- using like a program or a planner, whatever your vibe is, is not cheating. I, it it will help your mental health so much to be able to just get it out of your head, get it on paper. And then you can actually make a plan and actually do the things that are stressing you out as opposed to just being like, I know I have to be doing something, but I'm not sure quite what or how.
0: I feel physically lighter after like brain dumping and yeah. getting out all the things that are on my mind whether those are tasks that I have to do or ideas that I have like all of it has to come out of my head because otherwise it's like so noisy up here. Yes. And I can't hear like what's important because everything just is talking at the same time and until it's like all out on paper then it's quiet and it's like then you're like I feel physically lighter I can I can go about my day and actually like do those things instead of staying in like it's almost like analysis paralysis where you're just stuck in this like storm of stuff that you have to do and like I I never thought about it in terms of business until just recently because I've always thought about it in terms of like personal thoughts like journaling for example was something that I did for a really really long time and I encourage a lot of people who experience anxiety or have like emotional trouble to journal on a regular basis until you feel like you don't have to anymore. Because like truly, once you get in the habit of it, it does just get, it gets all the noise out of your head. And then you can really like think clearly and you feel like a person again.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I I don't know how people do it. Honestly, not with, without to-do lists and calendars and stuff like that. I just, I I don't know how people function it. And I've had many clients for whom I have to say, like, you should consider some form of task list because you can't remember all this stuff. Like, and, and, and that is how the stuff that doesn't seem urgent, but is actually kind of key to life going smoothly falls through the cracks and people don't have any task management. Mm. So that's how like the dry cleaning never gets taken and like mm. the repair person never gets called and like all of that stuff that like you got to do as an adult, but you don't want to and therefore you just keep not doing if you don't have a system to deal with it.
0: Yeah. And I think it's all about making the system really fun. Like that really helps me. I have a whiteboard in my house and I love to like decorate it for each month (laughs) and do it very differently. And like, that's where like a lot of those like personal things come into play, like goals, habits, or like, yeah, reminder to pick up the dry cleaning. And like, also, my digital planning system and like task management, project management, whatever you want to call it, is all like branded how I like it. So I jump on and it's like cute, bright colors and like the icons are cute and like, everything feels exciting to use and i think that's such an important part it's, it's similar to me like with exercise you got to find what you jive with you got to find what excites you cuz otherwise you're never going to show up for the thing yeah
1: yeah and i and i think something that i've been really doing a lot of thinking about recently and it just started to occur to me after talking to client after client and i was like i think there's this idea that people have that they don't even realize that they have which is if i get organized I will eliminate these tasks from my life completely. Like somehow Hmm. if I level up to this, this level of organization, suddenly I won't have to do the dishes, do my laundry, go through my mail, take the dry cleaning. And it's, it's an unconscious thing. But once I verbalize this, sometimes people laugh and they're like, Oh God. Yeah, you're right. I, I, it's always going to have to get done. And so for me, it's like, if you can make the system fun, tailored to you, reduce mm. as much friction as possible that's what you get you you get you get the mm. task being easier and more fun but you don't necessarily get to remove the task because as i tell my especially my moms i'm like there are three options you can do the thing someone else in your house can do the thing or you can pay someone to do the thing
0: those mm. are the options
1: that's it yeah. so so you know all of them are valid options but just so you know there's no magic fourth option of like it just gets done
0: <laughs> My brother lives in the world where he thinks that it's option 4 where things just magically get done.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're always
0: reminding him, "No, no, somebody has to do the things." But I I find that so interesting that people use like getting organized as almost an escape from having to do the other tasks or things that they don't want to
1: do. And I wonder why, like, where does that come from? I don't know why, but I do think that there's, there's something about our culture. That's like, I can get to the thing and it's done instead of like daily small things that add up to a lot. And with a lot of the things that make our lives wonderful and long and happy, like exercise, nutrition, an organized home. Those are things that are done daily and incrementally. And that is not sexy to us. Totally. We like a reveal. We we like a before and after. Mm. We like a big thing that we can say we achieved. We do not like, I need to exercise daily and put away my stuff daily and eat right daily. We don't yes. love that. That's not the way. Yeah. It's not the way we're wired, right? We're, we're wired for instant gratification. So- I, I do a lot of like talking through this with people. Not not that people don't know this, but just like, I just make the implicit explicit. Like we get it all out on the table. And I'm like, look, like for example, if someone comes to me and they're like, I want my fridge to look like the home edit. I want it mm-hmm. to be rainbow. I want it to be containers. I want it to be labeled. I'm like, great. I can do that for you. Before we do that, we need to talk about what it's going to take for you to maintain that.
0: Totally. Because
1: if you are not willing to take the packages of food, open them up, pull out the containers, put the food in the container, put it back. After Every time you go grocery shopping, you will not get that fridge. You'll get that and fridge for half an hard. hour. Right. You'll get that fridge for half an hour after I leave yeah. and you will never have it again. So, and if, and if that's something you're willing to do and that makes you happy, awesome. Yes. Let's do it. I'm in. But if you are not the kind of person who's going to do that, we need to think of another way because yeah. the goal here is right. Like you can enjoy your home. You can enjoy your space. You can do the things you need to do without feeling like you're surrounded by crap. And, yeah. you know, it's going to look different for each person. The, the point is not necessarily the aesthetic. The point is like, what system do you need? And then let's put mm-hmm. the aesthetic that you need on top of that. So we get you the best of both worlds.
0: Yeah. The aesthetic is just the like little sprinkle on top. Exactly. It's the frosting. It's the frosting on the cake. <laughs> yeah. Of a beautifully curated system that allows you to live an easier and like mentally lighter life. It's not like the reason that we go into it. It might be a lot of people's reason. Yeah. But I think that is again, like the instant gratification of seeing it done, but not again, being able to maintain it and like we, I think this is such a wonderful point. Like I'm always thinking about the instant gratification because it's it's so easy for me to go home after this interview and like hang out with my cat and like, you know, feel comfy in my sweatpants as opposed to like taking just like the 45 minutes it's going to take me to do my workout Mm -hmm. in my office building downstairs and then go home and enjoy my cat. And it's like, It's so hard, and this is almost like coming full circle again for us to say, like, it's so hard to see, like, the long term momentum. It's so similar to building a business where you're like, you're not seeing any of the movement until like you get to that point down the line where you can look back and be like, thank God, I made the choices for not the instant gratification.
1: Mm Hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and and this is a point of pride for me. I I really want my clients to not need me again. This is the, the oh, whole yes. point. Like they should not be dependent on me. I don't want to be in a position where I'm going to someone's house every month to to pick up after them and and redo everything. I you know and and, yes. and, and, and I have been successful. The the repeat clients that I get are because they're repurposing space. So, mm-hmm. like, I'll have the client that's like, oh, we just moved in together. And can you organize, like, our kitchen or home office? And then two years later, they're like, guess what? We're pregnant. We need a nursery. Oh <laughs> and I'm like, hooray. Okay, let's do this. Like, it's, it's that kind of thing. As opposed to, like, the system fell apart. We can't use it. But we really liked mm-hmm. how it looked. Can you just come make it look like that? Like, that's not the kind of work that I want to do.
0: That They just need, like, a housekeeper, not, like, yeah, an professional.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it, it's so much of the of the work that I do is talking through like what this is going to take for someone to keep it up. And and in line with the like, decrease the friction rather than eliminate the task, it's mm-hmm. the same amount of stuff gets used no matter what, like you eat the same amount of meals, you wear the same amount of clothes, like, that's what you do. And so the, the trade off is you can either do less of it more often or more of Mm -hmm. it less often. And a lot of people default to more of it less often. And that can be problematic because once you have enough of a buildup of clutter, that pile of clutter stops being individual pieces and it just gets chunked into one big scary pile. And then you just really don't want to deal with it. Whereas if we talk about like, if you spend five to 10 minutes daily, you never have to do that but but getting that mindset switch is something we work on right because everyone's mm. just like oh i, I don't want to take the 10 minutes right now i want to hang out on the couch with my cat and my sweats uh, so yes.
0: <laughs> i love how much of this conversation is applicable to your like internal system like whatever system you've got working in your mind and your soul like so many of these takeaways that you're giving should be applied to your emotional state. Like in the same way as like, if you have an issue in your life that you don't want to deal with, it starts as a very small issue, but if you don't deal with it, it eventually Mm -hmm. becomes a big, scary pile that you super don't want to look at. And then like (laughs) things just escalate from there until you're literally forced to deal with the big, scary pile. And I just feel like this is such a fun conversation because
1: it's, it's like
0: meta, like there's so many levels to yeah, our conversation it, right now.
1: There really are. And that is why I'm so passionate about organizing and helping people mm. get organized because it affects so much of your life. Like people sometimes see, tease me. They're like, oh, you're like a therapist. I'm like, well, I am not a therapist. So let's be very clear about <laughs> that. But there's something about the process of getting your space in order that sort of realigns how you think and interact mm. with the world. And it can be the beginning of a lot of other good things. Oh my God, um, it and he, sometimes people are like, Oh, I'll get organized when I have time, and I'm kind of like, But if you get organized, then you'll have time, like yes. you, you know, like it's yes, when you commit to do these things, whether it's getting organized, whether it's getting healthy, like anything like that, when you yes. commit to do those things, they have a huge impact on the rest of
0: your life, and there's like a lot of not waiting. I think a lot of mm. people have the tendency to be like, Oh, well when this happens, I'll take care of that. Like, oh, they're like, oh, well, you know, my lease is up in a year, so I'll just wait and I'll just like get rid of everything before then and it's fine. But it's like, if you were to just take the time now, you would see so much more benefit than you would with waiting until it's like the last second, which typically I'm sure induces stress in some way, shape or form.
1: Yeah, my my big thing, I think, like, there's so many things that doing this work has has taught me, like, it's been way better for me than it's been for my clients. Honestly, I've learned so much. But the big thing that I've realized is like, being present is the hardest thing to do. And it's Mm. the biggest thing you can do to make life better. And for me, it's helping people be present in their space. So I hear a lot Mm. of like, oh, I will organize when I buy my house, when I buy my first Mm. house or when I buy my first condo, or I will organize when I move in with my significant other. And and it's like, you don't know how long that's going to be necessarily. It could be six months. It could be five years. And then you've spent five solid years of like some of the most active years of your life waiting. Yeah. Like that's to me, that is kind of tragic. Like what a waste of your potential of your time. Like, there's there's nothing that's more obvious to me than that we have such limited time. It is the only non-renewable resource. Like anything you can do to make the best, not like to maximize or optimize. I'm not like that worried about that, but to make the best of your time to to yeah. know that like the time that you have is being spent in a way that feels aligned with you and it's not spent stressing or waiting. Yes.
0: When anybody ever tells me, like, if I'm asking like, oh, you know, what's your passion or just that I'm asking about anything from anyone. And they're always like, they bring up this concept of like, oh, well, when this happens, I will do X, Y, or Z. Yeah, My mind is immediately like, we are not only in different places in life, but like, we are fundamentally thinking differently because Mm -hmm. to your point, I'm like, that you're blocked. Like you're creating, you're in some way, shape or form, you have some limiting beliefs that you need to address in order to work through and move past. And like, there's so much waiting for you on the other side. All you have to do is take that first step.
1: Yes. There's so much that you, that you can't even imagine. And if you're not available for the opportunity, Mm -hmm. it won't come. You know, like if if it's like, okay, I'm going to do this when I buy a house, like, Maybe if you did this, then buying a house would be closer, or maybe it would be a house in a different city, or maybe it would be a cool, cool, like condo or like tiny house or something. You don't, you never know what's going to happen and trying Mm -hmm. to predict it can just really slow you down in ways that you don't even realize. This is the key that I try consistently to express
0: to people is that things are almost always better than you can imagine. And to try to define what you want out of a future experience so strictly really just takes out the possibilities of things being better than you could have ever imagined. And everyone's best case scenario is for things to be better than they could have imagined. And so if you start thinking about life as like, you know, okay, for example, Somebody who wants to become an entrepreneur but has been afraid to take the leap because of whatever reason, it's like if you simply make the first step and you're not saying like, "Okay, I want to be an entrepreneur, which means that I'm starting this business, which is which I want, I think, means being a a tech startup. Like I want to be an entrepreneur that does X, Y or Z. That is already like limiting your thought process like for ex- mm-hmm. for you right like you went and got an MBA and you never would have thought that you would be a professional organizer but because never. you just took it one step at a time and you followed like what brought you joy and where your strengths were that's how you ended up here which is i assume better than you could have imagined
1: oh my god it's it's amazing i mean i remember i remember being In my MBA program and like the whole point of being in an MBA program is to get a job, right? And so we just, they were just telling us, Mm -hmm. all you have to be doing is networking, just network, network, network. And I found it horribly awkward because I was like, I'm standing in this room (laughs) with my stupid little name tag on trying to sell people on the idea of hiring me. And I didn't even know what I wanted to be hired to do necessarily. And most of the people I was networking with were not a nonprofit, which is what I was trying to do. So it was, just I found it very difficult. The mm-hmm. second, I came up with the idea of this business and started talking about it. I can network up a storm. I can talk to yeah. anyone. I'm just like, "Let me tell you about this thing that I am so passionate about and I think it's going to change your life." It's natural. And and, it, it, and it's natural and it feels right and then that just opens everything up. Yes. Um so yeah, it's it, it, if if you find it hard to do certain things because it's like, "Well, I'm going in this in this progression that I think I'm supposed to do and it's feeling really hard." Maybe that's not the direction you're supposed to be going. Maybe there's another way. That's another key word that you highlighted
0: that I think a lot of people use is like what you're supposed to be doing, which is often not what you're meant to be doing. And there's a reason why it feels weird. I had a very similar path where I was always trying to do what I thought I was supposed to be doing. And I did those things so well. I was like playing the game until it just wasn't working anymore. And like, I'm such a stubborn person that I tried to push through it, but I'm like, I had to eventually stop. And it's why I ended up taking a year off from my jobs is between jobs is because like, A it 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 just wasn't coming like there were no opportunities coming to me and then it wasn't until I had my idea for my blog and I got really excited about it and I was consistently working on it that my current opportunity presented itself and I'm like now so crystal clear about where I'm going and what's happening in front of me and it's truly like every opportunity around me has been just flooding through because of that and it's so crazy to think about because i know so many people live on the other side of it where they're like trudging through what they're supposed to be doing because it's what they thought they were supposed to be doing when it's like truly the simplest path is to get off of that one and start to follow the one that seems scary but is infinitely easier and typically like more bountiful and plentiful. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And to to be, and to be open to possibilities that are outside what you always envision for yourself. I mean, yes. I, I, uh, I'm a little older than you. I am in my early forties and I will tell you, I still feel so young and I have so much time. And I think a lot of what people feel about what I'm supposed to do is because it's like, I'm going to run out of time. I am going to run out of time Mm -hmm. to get the job, meet the person, have the kids buy the house. I'm going to run out of time. So I got to do it. And I'm like, okay, the kids thing is pretty much a closed deal for me, but, (laughs) but everything else I could still do, you know, like it. Yeah. There there are certainly realities, but you know, you have more time, more time than you think. Like we have so little time, but we have more time than we think. and, and, Not setting those arbitrary deadlines can really open up some more possibilities of like, you know, maybe I'm going on a left turn here and I don't know where it's going to take me, but it feels like a good idea. Like whenever I get a a connection to somebody where they're like, you should talk to this person. Mm -hmm. I think you have a lot in common. I always say yes. If like I the person who's referring me, I trust them because yeah. <laughs> it can lead you down so many cool paths. Like this just happened to me recently. I'm going to be joining a nonprofit board because a friend of mine talked to a woman on an airplane and was like, I think you should meet this person. Oh my God. Like, and and if you're, and if you're so focused on like, my next goal is that I will, in my case, my next goal is I will hire another organizer and they will be employed full time. And I'm like laser focused on that. And then I'm not open to all these other things that could be in my life. Like there has to be a balance, you know, like you're totally open.
0: Yeah, totally. And time is funny, you know, like I have had months in my life that feel like years or years in my life that feel like months. And it's like time seems constraining, but really, there's so much that can happen in a short period of time that it's like, it kind of just depends on how you count those moments. Like whether you were like, yep, that was two months of my life that I had five years worth of accomplishments in. And Mm -hmm. you can, you know, take with that what you will, or you can live in the opposite mindset, which is that of like the opposite of abundance where you're like, I have none of it.
1: Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's so interesting to, to look back and think like, where I am now, I could never have imagined 10 years ago. And I probably couldn't even have imagined five years ago. And, and so much has changed along those points. But day to day, week to week, month to month, sometimes it feels like I'm just like banging my head against a wall and not getting anywhere. And then all of a sudden you pop your head up and you're like, oh, wait, I did get somewhere. It just took a little while. Yeah. And it's just about
0: patience and like enjoying the ride.
1: Mm -hmm. For sure.
0: Well, I think that's a perfect place for us to close. Lucy, this has been such a wonderful conversation. I have enjoyed myself immensely and
1: I would love for you to tell the people where they can find you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I also had such a great time having this conversation yes. with you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. So the best place to find me is my website and social media website is lmwedits.com and at LMW edits on all the socials. I am most active on Instagram and threads and also a little bit on YouTube.
0: I'm going to tell everybody I know about you, especially I- my friends <laughs> in San Francisco, because, i personally may need your services at some point <laughs> and my sister-in-law is bringing um about our second our, our my first niece and you know their second child so she might i know she will need some assistance potentially yeah, so i'm gonna yeah
1: i'm awesome. gonna
0: point you in that direction awesome well, thank, you thank you so much, you so much <laughs> again i really appreciate it thank you all the links to Lucy's social and website are in the show notes. If you want more from me and Mimir, follow me on Instagram at MimirThePodcast the podcast and also on TikTok. I have a YouTube channel under Maddie Kelly. If you want to watch the podcasts and stay up to date with my life, you can also connect with me on Instagram or check out my website, newmirror.ink for my contact info, partnership opportunities, and key takeaways on all the episodes. If you want to be featured in the check the review series on the podcast, comment your question in the reviews and I will answer them at the end of the episodes. See you guys next week.